Hello and welcome to another episode of Fool's Daily. Um, I am joined by the original Badger himself, Mr Matt Spooner. Not a Badger. Okay, uh, next time I introduce you, I won't call you a Badger. I apologise no. wholeheartedly for no, saying I don't believe badger. you. I don't even look like a Badger. Okay. Um... So, we're going to record a series of episodes. Uh-huh. A series! That's like more than one. Um, and we are going to talk about Games Workshop in the 1990s. Back in the day, when we was youths. Yeah, well, before, youth, I, was ma- youth, before youth I was married. Before I was married. Yeah. Before I was divorced as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wasn't going to go there. Um, so we're going to talk about uh, GW's big boxed games. Now, for some of our listeners, they won't have a clue what we're talking about. Because they are youths themselves. They are youths. But we're going to talk, we're going to, so we're going to talk about big box games and we're going to talk about whether we think that they would do well now. And some of them, the ones we're going to talk about, um, have come back. And but, are doing well. Yeah, but we're going to talk. We're going to talk about them. We're going to talk about um, what we liked about them, what we didn't like about them, and mm. you know mm. whether there's still a market for that sort of game. And our first one, we are going to travel to the hive world of Necromunda to talk about um, a game that is. Certainly looked at with rose-tinted spectacles by many a oh, gamer. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, necro- necro- today is Necromunda Day. I was going to breathe and talk, but then you breathed as well. Oh, did I? Did we breathe at the same you time? You did. Oh, dear. We both went, <gasps> as if we were about to say something insightful and important. You go first. Oh, I was going to let you go first, because I just talked oh, in the okay. introduction, so why don't you talk? Okay. All right, it's, it, we're out of practice. Um, yeah, so, Necromunda, kind of the first game that came and sat alongside 40k. Um, didn't use the 40k races, um, and we'll come on to kind of evolutions later, but were set in the hive world of Necromunda, which was kind of a, a key landmark within the sort of the game canon. Um, but was about the gang warfare that ensued in the kind of underworld uh, amongst the, the scabby underclasses of of Necromunda. Um, certainly owed a debt in its ideas to kind of Judge Dredd and the gangs of Mega City One, um, and the um, what do they call those big buildings? In hives. Judge Dredd. Oh, Were in hives? hives. No, in in. 40, uh, in Judge Dredd. Uh, mega blocks. Mega blocks. So, yes. Um, certainly tip to wink, I think, um, to the mega blocks of Judge Dredd, where you kind of had these gangs battling f- for control of the hive. Um, had a kind of a decent enough um, rule set, but really it was designed as an ongoing campaign game. So you could then advance your gang and buy new members um, you know, gang members would suffer injuries, get new weapons, and all of that kind of good stuff that us gamers like. 
um, something that takes it beyond just a kind of a pop-up, one-and-done play type situation. Yeah. Um, it was released in 1995. Oh, you're very efficient Googling stuff. Um, and... <laughs> I don't know if you, I don't know if you, because I can't remember when, you, I can never remember when you got into the hobby. It was... So oh God, late 80s. Alright, so it was spun off a series of articles in White Wolf that came out probably a couple of years before. Yeah. Um, where they'd postulated a gang-based system. It was called Confrontation. And a lot of the ganger stuff was lifted from there. But interestingly, of course, was lifted... Also from Laserburn, which 40k was lifted from. Yeah. Um, which Brian Ansel and Rick Priestley had previously had involvement with. Mm-hmm. Um, before, before 40k. Um, yes, the, the granddaddy of science fiction rules. Yes. Um, yes. Battle for survival in the nightmare under city was the tagline. I think or as I like to think of it, Friday night out in Doncaster. And he says as he reads it off the box, because it's up there. <laughs> Pointing doesn't help. No, it's radio. Yeah, uh, on Spotify. Because we're down with the kids. Get them streams in. Yeah. Um, it's... I had a lot of fun with it. Yeah, I played it a lot when it first came out. Um came with plastic miniatures in the box. That, that, that was one of the things with the box sets... With the with the launch of the big box sets was that you got everything you needed to play a game in the ga- in the box. Yeah. So I seem to remember they were retailing at forty to fifty quid at the time. I can't remember. My memory think, has been damaged by years of chemical abuse. Um, and so you got two gangs. I want to say Orlocks and it was Orlocks and Goliaths, I believe. And um, then you got some cardboard terrain, and which you still see knocking around people using. <laughs> mm-hmm. Still goes for a decent price um, on eBay. There are some uh, purists, old type collector type people who still love that kind of thing. And yeah, you built your gang. You had your leader, and it was it was a good campaign game. You had to control territories. Um, and as mm-hmm. map-based campaign games go, as ma- non-map-based, sorry, I should say. Yeah. Um, it was very cool. It then suffered the problems that a lot of the GW games of that ilk suffered from, is that a lot of extras, once they'd done the miniature sets for the first six gangs, then they started to bring out extra gangs. And extra rules. Yes. And more rules. And rules about the rules that come out after the rules. Yes. And the balance of the latter gangs was not particularly good. No. Particularly if you played Spryers. Definitely, yes. They were, yeah, there were, there was perhaps early signs of what would become known as Codex Creep, I guess. Yeah. Um, within those gangs. Yes, because the, f- the first six, um, were all very cool. Um, you know, mm. you, you had the mus- super roided up Goliaths. You had the very neopunk Eschers. Yeah. Um, you had your trench coat ganger types. But then you got your rat skins, who are basically 
a tribe, you know, a tribal type gang. Yeah. And then you got your spryers, which are your nobles. And because the nobles have all the equi- all the best equipment, they had all the best equipment. And what that meant is that they could just kill everybody. Yeah. Yes, it was it was a very small but elite gang that it was just impossible to beat. Yeah. And it suffered from the other the other issue it suffered from and this is with this is only with hindsight. It's the other issue it suffered from was that it was a Yugo Igo system. Yeah. So rather than I activate a model, Matt activates a model, and then I activate a model again. It was, I activate all my models, and Matt can do nothing unless he's put models on Overwatch. And so you would end up with people going, I shall put everyone on Overwatch! Yeah. And gameplay deteriorated. I did. I didn't struggle with that quite so much because that was really the norm back then for me it was more about the kind of rules bloat that happened once you got about three or four games into that campaign with all of the varying bits and bobs that in fairness it gave it the character the fact that you know you would have a you'd have a model that would have lost its eye and therefore you needed to remember that he was at minus one ballistic skill or you know jeff had a slight limp so you took one inch off his movement um for me you know the argo yugo thing because it was the norm then wasn't so much a problem i liked the rules the whole knockdown turnover get up kind of thing but once you got kind of two or three games in or if you were playing a campaign and somebody had missed a couple of games um it didn't really rebalance itself particularly well i feel for you know the person that didn't have the accumulation of credits and the extra weapons and all the special stuff if you were coming in with a kind of a newbie gang against a game a gang that had played a few games um you you were going to lose didn't have a lot of chance really yeah absolutely yeah um so which is fine then when we're all kids because you know we would play after school and stuff like that and everyone was always available because you didn't have at that time, particularly girlfriends, wives, meetings, being 25. away from work and all that kind of stuff. All right. You were in your but 20s. All right. Then it was everyone played after college. <laughs> but there certainly weren't the interruptions that there are now when you're old and you've got children. All of those other commitments, children and, and jobs and all that stuff that makes life suck. That's true. Um, so, but now... Uh, if you, I think, and I don't. Uh, we'll we'll come to nowadays, I guess, in a bit. But I think it would be it would be a difficult thing to run that kind of within a group of friends a successful campaign with those rules. Now, no, you see, I I don't know. I mean, they said they, you know, I mean, I'm sure everyone listening knows they re-released it. What last year, year before, uh, eighteen, I think. Right. So yes, it was. Uh, 18? No, 17. All right, it's two years ago. Um, yeah. Got re-released via Forge World, who have sort of taken over that specialist game moniker. And they're, yeah. they're slowly releasing, um, you know, re-releasing new models for gangs in plastic. Um, and it seems to have done very well, though it, it does seem to be competing... Against other games that Games Workshop bring out 
themselves, like Kill Team and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think we had Shadow War Armageddon, yeah, um, which kind of came out, and I, th- and I think it w- it was dipping the toe in the water to see if there was appetite for the lower scale game um, in the 40k universe. Um, we'd had Kill Team in various iterations, almost as a again another a set of White Dwarf rules, and then sort of chapter approved type things, and then they they kind of that disappeared for a little while and we had patrol games at I think there were about four hundred points which essentially gave you the kind of same small scale thing. Yeah. Um but I think there has always been that appetite for the smaller game in the forty K universe. We had Shadow War Armageddon um and then Necromunda came out um which again doesn't use your forty K races so it is the gang war element. But now you've also got kill team. So I think you're right in the fact that you you know they're potentially there is some strangulation of where that game sits because a lot of people will already have forty K armies that will want to play kill team. Although interestingly there's there's some scuttlebutt on the web with all of the releases that have been coming that that's starting to suffer the similar rules bloat that old Necromunda did. Oh okay. Um, uh, because they've released elites and, and, and captain or heroes and all sorts of additional stuff for it. Uh, right. Again, that kind of almost requires you to have all of those bits to play the game. Whereas Necromunda has stayed relatively clean. They've had they've released four, four um, gang war sort of supplements that had the additional gangs outside the Eshes and the Goliaths were in the first release. Right. So we've now got a kind of a full gamut of uh, additional gangs, the original gangs. So you've got Cordor in there, you've got Fansar, um, and there are some additional rules uh, around for the gangs, um, Orlocks as well. Um, and we got teased with some enforcers coming along um, sometime soon at the last Games Day or Warhammer Day or whatever the hell it was. Oh, or Games yeah, Expo, I think I it was, wasn't they, it? Well, yeah, there's so many new sneaks these days. So, so. Yeah. Um, oh, bloody hell, Finn's just got his hundred. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're recording because we're avoiding watching the cricket. <laughs> yes, England, Australia, it's not going entirely to plan yet. Um. And now they've they've kind of re-released the the Necromunda rulebook that incorporates all those four books again, so it's now back to a kind of a single tome. But that being said, they're not added massively to the rules. Um, the miniatures are great. The new plastic terrain is great. It seems to have a decent enough following. I don't see massive um, numbers of events coming up in my feed about it, but that, that may just be because I'm not following the right people. Um Oh, but excellent. It... Finch is now out. <laughs> oh, that's good. Um, yes. We should be on TMS. Um, but it, it, it is a different, it is a very different rule set from the uh, the original rule set. I mean, it's, yes. it's certainly a far more modern rule set. Though I don't think it is yes. as modern as it could be. No, I mean, it's it, it streamlined, I think, the, the rules that were, but essentially it's, you know, it's certainly the same DNA. Um, it's just tidied up a few bits and bobs. Yeah. The campaign system still... I haven't played a campaign. I've played a few games, but I haven't played the campaign. But I still think the campaign system is very good. Um, yes. For a, pa- for a paperless campaign, I think it works very well. Um, those of you on the last episode who heard me extolling the virtues of 
um, the boroughs and badges campaign system. It's very similar to that. Yes. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so, yeah, I mean, certainly it's seen the benefits of what um, Games Workshop have been able to do with where sculpting has gone, shall we say, since the 90s. Um, yeah. You know, I was never a massive fan of the Goliaths. I always thought they looked like ridiculous caricatures anyway. Um, but actually, the new ones for New Necromunda at least look like they are kind of almost physiologically possible as opposed to the old ones, which were, um, it, they were WWF wrestlers gone mental. So, yeah. And I've got, I've got a Vansar gang that I need to put together for it. It's certainly something I think that we'll play. Um, and it seems to still be getting ongoing support. So, um, as you said, it's kind of a, I don't know whether it's a pure Forge World product, but they've certainly got a hand in carrying that specialist games mantle. So you get the kind of the plastic box sets for the gangs and Forge World are then doing resin add-on kits that give you additional weapons or variant heads and things like that. And they are still releasing that for the gangs that come out. Your Deluxe have just got their new upgrade packs have yep. been teased and released. Um, and I've got some for the for the Vansar gang as well that give me additional shields and extra weapons and stuff like that. So it's one of those that's, that's not a box game that has been, oh, here we go, here's some nostalgia, but we're not really going to support it very much, which has been the case with a couple of others that we will probably pick up with as we go through this series. I might as well throw it in now, um, Space Hulk being one of them, because we're not going to talk about Space Hulk as an episode on its own. Um, but Space Hulk got a big box release, um, very similar to the original box, but it was, it was a kind of, here you go, old people, here's a present for your memories, but there is no additional support for it from a rules or campaign back point of view. Yeah. It dozed off. Have I talked that long? No, 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 no. I, I agree. I was, I was impressed at how you shoehorn Space Hulk in. Well, well, in this series, it had to come up somewhere because it is a game that is from the olden days and got a release, uh, a re-release, but not in the same way that Necromunda has from a ongoing support point of view. That's true. That's true. So that was Necromunda. Yeah. Um, we'll be back next episode with another game. Um, until then, I've been Mike. And I've been Matt. Bye-bye. Bye. You can contact Fools Daily on Twitter. We're at Fools Underbar Daily. Or via email, foolsdaily at outlook.com.